GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to the Last Action Podcast. Yes, it is I back gloriously from the dead. The special episode today. It is I, the Sphinx. Returning back to save the day. Yeah, I said it. I'm saving the day. I'm swooping in and I'm saving the world. Not like this movie. But anyway, with me as always, we got LPJ. What do you mean with me as always? <laughs> Whenever I'm here, you're here. So is that really that wrong? That's fair. But man, you said you were ready to do the opening. I said, do you want to practice? And you said, no, I got And you looked incredulous too. You're like, oh. I got this. All right. And then you said the same thing five times. You're done. Shut up. (laughs) Hovercraft Joe. My man. Uh, Hovercraft Joe. What's up, Sphinx? I would like to say that we have done a few episodes without LBJ, so he's not always there when you are. But see, Andrew, Andrew, liar. I'm I'm happy that you're back. (laughs) Thank you. You know, I'm I'm happy to be back with Hovercraft Joe. LPJ, meh. What it is, what it is. There you go. See. well, that's what happens. That's what happens after you do, you know, 50 episodes with somebody. Exactly. You you uh, haven't done 50 episodes with us. By the way. Can I, can I keep, can, can I, can you see, I'm rusty here. I'm trying to continue the show here. You're already acting like a douche because we've got a special guest with us today. Uh, someone that I have been working with uh, this month of October. For those of you that have been listening to us on Fridays for the Nightmare on Last Action podcast, but we've got the one, the only, the Deadite Knight with us today. I'm here. And Sphinx, I just have to say that your intro ability just matched my reading ability for an all time low. That was terrible. It's not great. (laughs) (laughs) But hey, thanks for having me here, guys. (laughs) I know that LPJ and Hovercraft Joe just wanted me. To come here to help them team up against you. Kind of. Well, then <laughs> I, I will say this. You're you're like our go-to horror movie Halloween guy. I mean, that's kind of the, the given, your given position in our show. Yeah, that's it why we do the specials every Friday. But I know that. But what I'm saying is this episode is actually going to come out pre-Halloween, which normally mm-hmm. we save you to the end of the month. But you're going to be here the entire month again. So it's like yeah. it's like a Deadite Fest. It's like uh you know, it's like Oktoberfest. It's a festival no one wanted. Kind of. <laughs> well, people wanted. I mean, we we got feedback and said, "Oh, Halloween! You guys are doing the, the Nightmare on LAP again," and then people love it. It's true. The one, yeah. the one good idea you've had, Sphinx. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, the welcome, one idea welcome back. You know um, I'm just gonna bow out. See, fuck y'all. I'm, out. I'm surprised you have it. Once we told you what movie we're doing, I'm surprised you actually decided to come on here. So, all right. So <laughs> we are doing the 1990 movie Dark Man. The 1990 and, classic. Oh, straight <laughs> no, classic. I didn't say that. 
I said the 1990 movie, Dark Man, which 1990 has already been a shit year for us on the show with Dick Tracy and some other bullshit that I can't think of at the moment. Oh, Joe has a list. But, Don't worry. We'll, we'll find yeah, out. There we go. We'll find out <laughs> short enough. But Dark Man is a movie that I've always heard about, never saw. And I was just thinking to myself, all right, we've had Deadite here for The Crow and Freddy vs. Jason. Yep. I mean, could Dark Man be any worse than either of those? And, well, we'll see as we go on today how I feel about that. But you three were so fucking excited about this movie because you've been talking about it literally for months while I still a year. Know, haven't been back. Yeah, yeah. it's been a I year. I have been talking about it for a year. I, I think it was like the, one of the first movies, that, like when I started doing the podcast, we were like, we got to do Dark Man. Yeah, do it. It took a while, but we we finally made it happen. Yeah, which Uh, I mean, I I am interested at your guys's perspective of why there was so much excitement for this movie because I yeah I don't feel that way, but you know we'll we'll get there as we go along with the episode today. All right, well, well, Deadite, what is your first experience with uh, what's your first experience with Darkman? So. My first experience would be so. So I'll lay it lay it down there. Um, uh, I'm a, a big Sam Raimi fan. Uh, you know, I know, I know. You know. At least a couple of you guys are as well. Uh, you know, he obviously uh, my handle for PlayStation and doing podcasting is the Deadite Night. Deadites from Evil Dead. I don't need to explain that anymore. I love Sam Raimi. He's my favorite director. So, so at some point, probably in in college is when I was like, oh man, he made this action movie, Dark Man. I'm going to go scoop up a copy of this, purchased a copy of it for $2.22 at a used DVD store, watched it and was like, this is a wonderful film with <laughs> Liam Neeson. <laughs> I am having such a great time watching it. So uh, it's probably, you know, around a decade ago was the first time I watched the movie. I can confirm that the movie he bought was $2.22. He showed me the sticker price yesterday. Amazing. <laughs> Joe? Yeah, I mean, like, I, I feel like I can only kind of echo what Dede just said. I mean, I'm a, I'm a big Sam Raimi fan. I mean, obviously, the Evil Dead films, this one, the Spider-Man franchise. I mean, he's, he's Sam Raimi. And I don't really, and I was trying to think about this when I was watching the movie. Um, I don't remember like, oh, this is the first time I saw it or whatever. I'm assuming, you know, 1990, we probably saw it on home video. I mean, I didn't see it in theaters, that for sure. But I definitely remember seeing it a couple of times uh, and really enjoying it. And it was kind of great watching it this time because I had not watched it in a long time like i hadn't sat down and watched the whole thing and like i don't know i feel like maybe just watching it now like there's so much more that i kind of like picked up on and like i mean we'll get into it but this viewing this time was like maybe like i think i just watched it a lot when i was younger <laughs> and i hadn't watched it since so re-watching it this time I, I i don't know there's a lot of things i kind of this time was like oh okay yeah okay that maybe i didn't even get before but yeah i i, I definitely gotta watch this more often <laughs> I okay, so Batman had just come out in '89, right? And I was on the hunt around that time to watch other superhero movies. And I remember seeing a preview for this on TV, like a like a the trailer for it on TV when it was coming out, and then seeing ads for it. And then there were ads in the comic books and stuff like that. And I was so pumped to see this movie. So as soon as it came out on home video, I rented it and watched it. 
And then as soon as I had the opportunity to buy a copy on VHS, I did. Granted, it wasn't until a little while later. I bought it at a Entertainment Tonight tent sale. I bought a mm. copy of it. <laughs> Classic. And I still have right. I still have it at my house. It's here over like in the in the storage room. And uh it's what it was one of the first VHS tapes I ever bought. And uh, I've seen it a bunch of times and I liked it even before I knew Sam Raimi did it. Like after watching Evil Dead, that's when I pieced it together that oh yeah, he also did Darkman. I gotta ask, it was from an Entertainment Tonight Ten sale. Did it have the case, or was it just a blank video? Just like no, it had no, it had the, it had the case and everything. It even had the uh, okay. the pink sticker on the uh, okay. that they used to curious. stick on their stuff. Yeah, so that it has, just curious because my, my copy of Bride of Chucky is just the video. Oh yeah, no, yeah. No, yep. no, this is definitely a, a full copy. Um, I actually I don't own I, well now I own it digitally, but I didn't own it uh, on any other format other than that VHS tape. So. It is important for people listening to this podcast to know that um, once upon a time, there were stores where you could <laughs> go in and exchange money for a temporary rental of a uh, a tape cassette that contained a film that you could view through a device at your own home. And then within one to two nights, you had to return the film that was on on this this tape. Uh, and the, it was it was called a rental, uh, you know, a, a, a video store, co- common back in our youth. Yeah, right, a video right. store. Yeah, long uh, time. That ago. Sounds like fake news to me. <laughs> yeah, long time ago. Uh, but yeah, so that was the first time I saw it. Um, all right, so I guess yeah, we, we should we should mention that it was written and directed by Sam Raimi. Are we gonna Are we gonna ask Sphinx about his first time viewing it? He did. I, I think I shared it when it started. This was yeah. the first time I ever saw it. Oh yeah, just yeah. making sure. Okay. No. Yeah. Okay. So uh, we talked about this. Uh, release date is August twenty fourth, nineteen ninety. Budget on this movie was sixteen million dollars. Uh, domestic gross thirty three million, and a worldwide of forty eight. So actually, pretty successful. I mean, I, I was kind of surprised when I looked at the numbers. I guess I just assumed that this was probably like a big like <laughs> loss, but apparently not. Um, Rotten Tomatoes on this, this is another surprising thing, is 84%. Um, uh, and then an, an audience score of 59%. So yeah. I was a little I, surprised by both those numbers, actually. You see, I'm not, because I'm, I'm, I'll bring it up right now. And, you know, this movie, because LPJ just mentioned it, this movie is riding on the coattails of 1989 Batman. Like, that's that's what I saw from this movie is it's just kind of like a knockoff of the Tim Burton 89 Batman, which I love the 1989 Batman. We did an episode on it. It was one of our very first episodes we ever did. And that's just, like, that's constantly what I kept thinking through this movie. Like, even when it comes to the score with Danny Elfman, who did the Batman soundtrack, like, I feel like this was like his leftover score from Batman that didn't get used. It sounded, How dare you? How dare you say it's leftover? <laughs> Come on. It sounded so identical to if Batman. If anything, he was writing the score for Batman as a trial to get oh, it right for yeah. Darkman a year or two later. Yeah, right. I mean, he's like, yeah, right. well, I could, I could do these throwaway tunes, you know, here for Batman. I'll save the good stuff. <laughs> but I mean, but honestly, you- like Sam Raimi, I, I like this movie has Tim Burton influence all over it. So oh, I no, I don't like, think so at all. 
Oh, this I is do. this is one hundred percent Sam Raimi. This is see now. I've only I've seen the Spider-Man movies and I've seen Evil Dead. I haven't seen anything else by Sam Raimi. But I mean, I kept getting a Tim Burton vibe. At least eighty-nine Batman Tim Burton. No, no, this is one hundred percent Sam Raimi. Like I mean, it, it's it's like Tim Burton insofar as it takes place at night. But uh, <laughs> but other <laughs> well, than that. <laughs> contend that a lot of this movie takes place during the day you're Otherwise, right the main the main concept of the movie doesn't come into play if it doesn't take place during the day yeah. because that skin only melts in the light so if it took place at dark i mean at nighttime he'd be fine no i i, I disagree wholeheartedly lpj i feel like he's it's it's got a slight film noir feel to it like the 89 batman had with tim burton right but that doesn't so, mean it's a tim burton style that just means the I, film noir style <laughs> But I feel like he's riding off of the previous year when Batman came out. He realized, I can do a movie like Batman, and that's exactly how he did this film. Yeah. It's just my opinion. You can agree or disagree. I disagree. Are we going to talk at all about the historical background of the creation of the character Dark? Yes, that's what we should because get into. Because I think that ties into what Sphinx is saying. Yeah, go we, ahead. We, we will get into it. Yeah, Let, let's, let's finish what let, you're doing, Joe. Let's finish up the numbers, and then we'll get into some of the other stuff. Okay. So top grossing movies of 1990, uh, you got Home Alone, great, which I think we could maybe swing that on the podcast. We'll talk about it a different time. Mm. Uh, two, <laughs> so, we could do Home Alone as an action We're all for the movies in action sequence. People getting hit with paint cans. Anyway, Just because you so, got an action uh, sequence doesn't mean you got an action movie. Number two <laughs> is uh, Ghost, and number three is Dances with Wolves. Uh, Dark Man came in 36 for the year, and this is a year that we have hit quite a bit. Wow. Uh, num- we've done number five, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Number six, The Hunt for Red October. Number seven, Total Recall. Number nine, Dick Tracy. And number 30, Young Guns 2. Um, and then I, I didn't, you know, we can talk about the cast, uh, I, and then kind of get into net worth and then go from there. Um, obviously, we've already mentioned Liam Neeson, who plays uh, Darkman slash Peyton. Anybody? Peyton is Peyton Banning is what I wrote down. Yeah, no, it's Peyton, Peyton Westlake. <laughs> okay. Uh, then uh, Frances McDormand. Uh, she plays uh, Julie Hastings. Julie Hastings. Uh, and then I wrote down, uh, obviously, Larry Drake yeah. as Robert Durant. And you know what's funny? I was like, I was like, I know he was on L.A. Law, but I didn't watch L.A. Law. I was like, what, what do I know this guy from? And then I figured out today, he's Dr. Giggles. Yes, he's Dr. Giggles. That's why we know him. <laughs> from the horror movie, Dr. Giggles. So, About a dentist. Uh, an evil dentist. Yeah, an evil dentist. More evil than uh, Isaac Yankum? Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> Isaac Yankum was pretty evil. But um, I, and that's what I had. Uh, and obviously, uh, Ted Raimi is in it. Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, LPJ, you're the you're the uh, character actor king. I don't know if there's anyone else you wanted to mention in this film that I I, I admitted. No, well, you that's can't forget, really it. You can't forget Bruce Campbell's little cameo at the very end. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, yeah, very young looking Bruce Campbell, very striking in that uh, little scene that he had. I was yeah, like, it's Whoa. weird. He looked older in the Evil Dead movies. <laughs> yeah, he looks super young in this. Um, okay, he went through hell in the Evil Dead movie. So there you go. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, and this was, um, 
just chronologically, this was before Army of Darkness, right? Like, Raimi made Army of Darkness after this? Yeah. Army of Darkness was 92? Three? Three? 92. I think, yeah, it's one of the two. Okay. Okay, so last thing I'll cover on the numbers here are net worths. I only did a couple. Uh, what do you guys think for uh, Francis McDormand? LPJ? 11. Stinks? I mean, she's she's just got an Oscar win now. She's gotten some pretty big roles. I'll say, I'll say fifteen, sixteen million. All right, did I? Um, I'm gonna go seventeen million. <laughs> Price is right. It's actually, it's actually thirty million dollars. Oh, okay. Damn. Nice. Okay. I was thinking maybe Price 20, is but... right. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard. Uh, <laughs> what do you think, uh, LBJ? Liam Neeson. Uh, 60. Okay. See, the last time we did Liam Neeson was Taken. In fact, that's the only time I think we've done Liam Neeson, and we didn't do net worths at that time. Yeah. So... I don't remember. So, yeah. <laughs> no, that, I, I wasn't on that episode, so that was, uh, uh, it was prior to the second. Quite a while ago. I think Liam Neeson is doing well. I'm going to say 150. Okay. Did I? <sighs> he's He's got that Qui-Gon money. He's got that Qui-Gon <laughs> money. You know, yeah. like, you know, like you know, the the Narnia fans there. He's got that Schindler's List money. Wow. <laughs> He's got that Hannibal with the A team. Yeah, there um, it is. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one twelve. All right, uh, one hundred and forty five million for Liam Neeson. So Good for him, so pretty close. All right. Sphinx. Uh, and then just because well, um, 150, I mean, do we play prices right rules? Because <laughs> no, we don't that. I this is because nice I was job. playing in the prices right rules. Uh, you can play whatever game you want to play. You're wrong. <laughs> uh, and I only did one other person because uh, Larry Drake is dead, and as we know, I don't do uh, networks or dead people. Uh, so I did Sam Raimi. What do you think for Sam Raimi? Uh, Man, he's. I'm gonna go. Two twenty five. Okay. Sphinx? I, I think a hundred. Okay. Dead eye. This is a tricky Man. one. I, I like I like Directors LP are always did. tough. Yeah, well, but he, he owns production he companies. He owns huge production companies. Um I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go two fifty. I, I I like LPJ's uh guess a lot. Because I, I think actually- I might be high. Yeah, you guys are high. It's only $60 million. What? Oh, wow. That is blasphemy. Well, he's worth billions in my heart. <laughs> yeah, you know what? <laughs> Sometimes genius doesn't always equal money. It's okay. <laughs> I feel like you guys are overestimating the amount of money he's making up Xeno Warrior. <laughs> <laughs> he, did, he did Spartacus. <laughs> I, I feel like the more and more we do this show... Whenever we start talking about net worths of like directors and producers, it's it's surprising comparatively to the actors how much less they make. Uh, except, for Ste- except for Steven Spielberg. Spielberg and what was the yeah. guy that Spielberg we three point something billion dollars? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Own DreamWorks. Owning DreamWorks is a little bit different than owning <laughs> Blumhouse or whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever Rainy owns. Anchor Bay. Yeah, yeah, a little bit different. I think it's Renaissance. What was the other guy that you guys talked about? I didn't know had like a massive toy company. Oh, Tom McFarland. Tom McFarland. Yeah, Yeah, that one was crazy. McFarland's super rich. Yeah. 
So anyway. all right, well that yeah, that that's all I did for networks because like I said, there wasn't a lot of other people. Um, but yeah. Cool. All right. We, oh, well, we, oh god. That's it. Show's over. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean we kind of covered some of this other stuff that yeah. we normally go into. We know the director, Sam Raymond. Yeah. We talked about the composer being Danny Elfman. Um, as far as like the story was by Sam Raimi, and then there was like a lot of other people were writing this so movie. many rewrites. There was, I mean, at one point, I think I read Sam Raimi himself had written six different drafts, and then there were like three drafts written by uh Chuck Farrar, who wrote Navy Seals, which we're gonna do at some point. I keep yes, threatening we've that. talked about it. Uh, the Golden um, Brothers wrote like three drafts of it i mean this thing went through draft after draft after it, it, draft. Had, it had uncredited document uh like uh yep. script doctoring by the cohen brothers yep. on it because they're friends of sam raimi so i think it said that all, all in all there were 12 different drafts of the screenplay for this film so yeah and then Dada, you were saying uh you know a little bit about the background of dark man huh like what was sam raimi's kind of idea behind this yeah, so Sam really wanted the rights to make a Batman movie for a long time. And then what was the other character? It's not the spirit, it's the specter. The shadow. The shadow. It's the shadow. He want, you know, he was trying to get rights to make one of those and it it wasn't happening. So he said, "All right, I'll make my own, you know, dark superhero." Yeah. So, you know, when you say that it, you know, it does invoke some some Batman stuff, it's cuz the heart of you know the project was he wanted to make a Batman movie. Yeah. Well, yeah, that, so. there's a lot of the shadow in this too. I don't know if either of you yeah. are familiar with the shadow. Mm-hmm. Um, like I the mean, whole, like Baldwin, right? Though. Well, the whole the whole top hat cloak, mm-hmm. um, that's all very the shadow. And then you know, I, I actually I see more the shadow than I do Batman in this. I agree. That's more that's likely, but or well, even have- uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's what is the shadow superhero power? Like, is he a superhero? Or is he just like a crime? Solver? He's just a crime. Like, he's Batman like a crime solver. Death. He has some. He he has the, like the ability to um, like uh, like his face. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm trying to describe. It. Like he he's he's like a master of disguise. Um, yeah. and well, uh, he has some mystical powers too that allow him to kind of be stealthy and stuff like that. So, so kind of that's not like he wore, Batman. Scarf. he wore like a red scarf over his face. Yeah. And like, uh, what evil lurks in the, the hearts, hearts of men? men. Yep. Only the shadow knows. Um, well, another thing they say is that Raimi really wanted to pay homage to like universal horror films of like the 1930s. Like that, that was a big influence in this. And I get that a lot. Like, oh he's, yeah. You know, kind of like that misunderstood monster. And they said that you know some of the inspiration he drew for the characters was from like the Hunchback of Notre Dame and like the Phantom of the Opera and like the Elephant Man. And like I get like a very big like. <laughs> the opera vibe yeah. from his yes. kind of like feel and like running around and just stuff like that. So I, I, I kind of see all of that like baked into this. And you're right, there obviously is some Batman in this, sure. But um, but I, it, I, I, I see a lot of the other elements as well. Yeah, that he kind of threw into this, and that was one of the things that I picked up on this viewing. Like I didn't even think about the Universal Monsters aspect of it or the Phantom of the Opera aspect to it until watching it this time for this viewing um like that stuff is is really heavily prevalent in this a lot more so than i realized yeah mm-hmm. i get the phantom of the opera i felt that vibe too but the misunderstood monster i don't know if i feel that necessarily like what made him misunderstood it seemed very obvious the dude was out for revenge for what happened right well, i guess i'm maybe. 
just I mean, misunderstood maybe. about like what he's doing. I don't, I don't know. He had, a, mis- he had a misunderstanding with that carnival worker, that carny. <laughs> a little bit of misunderstanding maybe, there. Maybe misunderstood's like not the not the uh, the right word, but maybe. But I know what like you're going a, with. Yeah. Maybe more of like you know like oh uh, like a like a Frankenstein or some somebody who's like trying to hold on to his humanity, but it's just like basically like you know would be shunned by like the the normal world if they saw what he actually looked yeah. like. You know, to, I mean, in fact, actually, to me. You bring up Frankenstein. There's very much a Jekyll and Hyde aspect yes. to this, the mm. the mad science aspect, but also you you see the moment, especially um, you know we'll talk about you know those elements later of this, the actual story. But when he has his own face on and he's trying to interact with his girlfriend and trying to keep it together and be Peyton, yeah, uh, you see that that Doctor Jekyll aspect, you know, just the good honest man. And then as soon as you know we're seeing the all bandaged up burned up then we're seeing the hide the monster come out that's out for revenge well not only that like his his lab in the abandoned warehouse all of that was designed after the um the universe the classic universal Mm -hmm. frankenstein's dr frankenstein's lab and the like the chemistry background of jekyll and of dr jekyll's lab like that's the kind of the combination of his two labs and you see, I was getting an Access Chemicals vibe from that, from the Batman movie. Yeah. So. I think, see, that's the thing. I think you're just too clouded by Batman having seen it so many times. But I, but that's the thing is that, like, I, there's just so many comparisons that I notice. But yeah, but at the time, but, though, but I, but at the I time, though, they wouldn't have necessarily talking seen that. about. Really? Yeah. Like one year after the Batman movie came out and was such a phenomenon, you don't think people went no, one I, year later? Wow, this is a lot like uh, Batman. I think that's a, I think that's why it got made. I think that's what they were banking on. But it's also at the time where people didn't sit and rewatch a movie sixty five times like they can now. Because this I'm came out. About, don't forget this came out. You had access to VHS. Well, not everybody had access to VHS. This came By out nineteen ninety. Come on. Well, okay, maybe, but but all still, the, the point is all that rich folks with the VCR. I know. Yeah, but, uh, this had VCR came out in the late seventies. I mean, come on. This came out relatively soon after Batman. I mean, it was you know a year, but that's still One pretty year, soon. Almost exactly. That's still yeah. pretty soon after. Yeah. And those what? those home video releases were were delayed back then. It wasn't like now, like a movie's in theater and three weeks later it's That's on true. Blu-ray. You had to wait. Or, you had to wait like yeah. six months or a year sometimes to get a movie on VHS. Yeah. Did, did you guys see? I thought this was interesting. One of the things I read is they said that the uh, that the editing process for this film was uh-huh. and that the editor allegedly had a nervous breakdown of the production. Yeah, I was like, whoa, and I, yeah, and I guess like Sam, I guess like. Sam Raimi had a lot of arguments with Universal because they were not some of the stuff they were just like this is too weird and we just don't get it like so but I thought that was really funny I, I shouldn't laugh at a man's nervous breakdown but I like the idea that he left because he had a nervous breakdown while trying to edit the film <laughs> he just wasn't cut out for the biz he's soft <laughs> he just didn't get well, it maybe he saw what he had and he's like oh my god what am I gonna do I don't know um, turned out pretty well to me uh, the pressure of editing a masterpiece would be quite the best. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, if you don't, Sphinx, I do. But did you did you do taglines? Uh, I have them right here. If you want me to do them, okay. Yeah, go for it then. All right. 
Um, crap, where'd it go? Hold on. Oh, <laughs> uh, Joe. Was that part of the movie? <laughs> I remember that. Come see Darkman. Oh, crap, where'd it go? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's probably how it went. I don't think it lasted in the theaters very long. Honestly, is it that is it that bad of a tagline for this movie? Oh crap, where'd he go? <laughs> I I I would I do have requests out of the taglines. There's one of them I would like to do Sphinx, so uh it's the like fourth one or so. I'd like to do that one because I feel like I can give a good dramatic reading of it. Alright, that's fine, I'll give you that one. But I feel like this first one I'm gonna read, I feel like crap, where'd he go is just as good. <laughs> Who is Dark Man? Find out this August. Yeah, sure. rap video yeah. is just as good. I agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Now, crime has a new enemy, and justice has a new face. That's pretty good. That's actually pretty solid. Yeah, it's not I terrible. Like <laughs> the next one is just, who is Dark Man? Okay, this is the one that I want to do the next one. In the darkest hour, there is a light that shines on every human being, but one. Ooh, wow, <laughs> that one's a little heavy-handed. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. They destroyed everything he had, everything he was. Now crime has a new enemy, and justice has a new face. I was like, I was like, they just added onto that other one or subtracted on a poster. They don't care. They're like, ah. I don't know, I kind of like this. They said that, like, one of the big selling points of the movie and the marketing was the whole, like, who is Darkman thing. Like, I guess yeah, it was, like, a true. big like a big way that they sold the movie was kind of, like, the mystery and that kind of stuff, which I don't know if I specifically remember the ads for it, but um, I don't know. I, I kind of like those taglines. Yeah, that, that's actually, those are the ads that I remember are the who is Darkman ads. Because those are the ones they used to put in the comics. It was basically just a poster and it said who is Darkman. Um, and I don't know when we should talk about this, but like I, and this obviously is my area expertise, but apparently there was a Darkman video game. Yeah, on NES. Yeah, has <laughs> anyone played it? Was nope. It like you played through the. No. It, it, it is a. Uh, it's a cartridge. I always keep my eye on. You know, like I'm, like I'm at I'm at retro game stores. Like looking, like do they have a copy of Darkman? Because if it's not stupid expensive, I need this on my shelf. Um, <laughs> But my desire to play it has never been strong enough to even boot up a ROM and play it. So <laughs> yeah, uh, there, there's that there's that loose interest of I'm like, man, what's going on? With the I feel like I looked at footage of it one time and went, this doesn't look good at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wish. I got a feeling it's I bad. Wish I I wish I would have known of its existence sooner because I would have tried to walk, watch like a, a playthrough or something. But I, I am looking at a still frame of it where he's hanging from a rope. <laughs> From a helicopter, and it looks like there's cars driving underneath them. So, oh, I thought hanging from a rope, you meant he just killed himself, but oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> um, like, that's a little dark for an NES game, but it is man. Dark Man, so um, it is interesting. This one got a game tie in, you know. <laughs> I feel yeah, like what is this rated? R, R, what's rated R? Okay, because I feel like there were a couple F bombs, if I remember right. Uh, yeah, it wasn't, yeah, I think it, so. It, it, but it, it wasn't yeah, that like bloody, from what I remember. No, no, I and I think I remember like going into it. Like I said, I hadn't seen it in a while, and I and I kind of was <laughs> expecting more like gore and stuff like in it. Like I, I, I don't know, maybe it's because I saw it when I was a kid, and I was like, "Whoa, this movie's intense!" But like rewatching it this time, I was like, "Oh, it's not really that like violent per se." You know, yeah, I feel like you, you get rid of those f bombs, and this could have been a PG thirteen movie easily. I think what did it was the dismembered fingers. Mm. Oh, yeah, with the cigar yeah. Uh, cutter. Yeah, that would kind of gross. Um, 
does anyone have anything else they want to like cover before we start going through the plot on this, or do you want to just get into it and then kind of let everything unfold? We just get into it. All right, we'll get into it then. Um, so I have to say that I was really psyched that this movie started off with that like the old school like the Universal logo, yeah. you know, where it's like where it's spinning and it goes like I that was like I I think I kind of rewound it and watched it twice because uh, <laughs> it was like, oh yeah. So that's the openings. We were talking about something recently, and it was like the TriStar like logo, or yeah. like the horse running, and it was like. What were we watching? Because it was the it was the last movie that used that. Oh, it was it was Cliffhanger. Oh, Cliffhanger! Yeah, it was the last movie that had the old TriStar logo. Yeah, my aunt worked for TriStar. Yeah. Oh, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah, she was an accountant. So, uh, my first note talks about, like, this guy was on, like, I, I had to laugh about, like, the old portable phones. It's, like, this huge get-up he's using. It's got, like, basically a backpack with, like, a phone. Uh, and this is uh, Eddie Black, and he's uh, apparently runs a gang of dock workers. <laughs> because because that scene where Durant and his guys pull up, there's so many guys, and they're just, like, a collection of, like, dock workers. I was like... What's going on? Is this like a theme gang, like the Warriors, or what? <laughs> I, I, I put one note about this scene, and it was just nunchucks. Is there anything oh, in yeah. the 1890s no. that one of these dock worker goons like just strapped up with nunchucks? Like, hey, if stuff's going down at the docks, I got us. I got the chucks. <laughs> that oh, was yeah. my very first note I wrote down. Yeah. I'm like nunchucks. <laughs> like, what? What is? What is happening? Here? Welcome to the 1990s. <laughs> The second thing I wrote down, though, was that uh, did you catch that the Lincoln Town Cars had Michigan license plates, which mm-hmm. obviously is going to be, you know, sending that back to his Michigan roots, even though clearly the city is Los Angeles. But anyway, that was yeah, that was, I think I was just wondering if did they ever specifically say where it takes place or if it's just supposed to be like, I don't think they did. No. And was there I don't know if it was the Ren Center or not, but was there an exterior shot of the Ren Center? Looks like it. Yeah. Yeah, the, the one guy's off, Strack's office, every time they showed it, I was like, is that the Ren's head? Because it, it looked like it. Like, it yeah. did look like it, but then all the other exterior shots of a city was L.A. Yeah, well, that's the thing. I looked it up. crown building. But. Yeah, I, I looked it up, and it said it was filmed entirely in L.A. and Toronto. So I didn't see any anything in there about Wait, Detroit, but it got I got that vibe, though. There are locations in there that looked like Detroit. There also there also was this one of the scenes later on. I made the note um, that a coney dog is being uh, was ordered. Oh yeah, at a diner. So for people that would be listening, not from the the Detroit area like us, uh, coney dogs are like our thing. Love them. <laughs> um, so anyway, so they're having like a meeting with Eddie Black and his gang, and Durant essentially wants to take over his territory and. They think it's a big joke because they took all the guns and there's so many guys there. There's so many guys. But like the big thing is that the one guy in Durant's gang, he has a wood leg, wooden leg, but it turns out it's actually a machine gun. Yeah. How He's does like, how does he shoot all of those guys before he gets shot? Right? And how also, does he get like, that gun off like the, so the fast? element of surprise? <laughs> that's a that's hell like, of an element of surprise right those there. dock workers weren't ready for it they're just dock workers that are strapped up with martial arts equipment <laughs> and also like i know it was for comedy but i was like i was like really that guy can't steady himself he had to be like right it was so fucking distracting like every time they show him he's fucking hopping around i'm like give him this goddamn gun back everyone's dead now like let him walk again 
And then don't forget, like, I thought it was surprising that the Dock Worker Gang had, like, apparently cars stashed in, like, crates. Yeah. They, yeah. They it was it badass. They yeah. had an escape plan. <laughs> I didn't know that cars could somehow inside the ship crate make it 60 miles an hour to burst through the door. I didn't know that there was that much space in the cart to get ready to do that. It's not about space. It's about cars were actually made well back then. That, that's, <laughs> that's quality engineering that used to get out of Detroit. Not like the crap we're giving people nowadays. But but yeah, LBJ, I thought the same thing. I thought it was surprising that they were able to take out so many of the dock worker gang with the one machine gun. But, you know, so they kill all the guys and then we get like Durant, his like thing. And we'll, we'll get into a little more is that like he likes to cut people's fingers off. Uh, so like the big thing is that he like gets out. He has one of those things with the uh, cigar cutter. Yeah, cigar, cigar trimmer. Yeah. yeah. And he like, they don't. And I like in my mind, I think I remember like them showing the fingers getting cut off, but they don't ever show a finger get cut no. off, do they? No. No. And he, to my mind, just, there's no director's cut of this movie. Like, I think this is the only cut, so I don't know that there ever was a scene with that. Yeah, so anyway, so then we cut to Liam Neeson and his lab, uh, him and his uh, associate. They There's a lot of equipment, and they do a lot of stuff, and then they make a nose. <laughs> it, it looks it looks like it's a precursor to 3D printing or something. He's it doing. did, yeah. That was actually kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah, so there, the his whole thing is that, like, he's making synthetic skin, right? Yeah. And I guess it's for, do they ever explain why he's so focused on making this synthetic skin? Or is he just, that's just what he does? It's just what he does. I, th- I think it's, it's something to do with burn victims. Like, he just wants to make synthetic skin for that reason. Okay. But they're having some issues with it because, like, it, it basically deteriorates. And it, it lasts, like, 99 minutes, is yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. 99 minutes every time. Okay, is that right. what the number meant? I yeah. I kept trying to figure out like what does ninety nine mean? Like, is it like ninety nine percent complete? And because it's not the full one hundred, it, it you know dissipates or no? It just destroyed? I didn't get it. So it was ninety nine minutes. Yeah, the skin lasts ninety nine minutes before it deteriorates. Yeah, in the light it breaks down. So then, why was it? It, it always seemed like the goal was a hundred. But a hundred would just be a hundred minutes. How is well, that the, because if they get to a hundred, that means they've broken that barrier, and they figured out at that point why at ninety nine minutes it deteriorates. Okay. <laughs> Listen, don't look for you're looking for strong plot reasons in a movie like this. You're looking yeah. in the wrong place, my friend. Yes. No. Um, so we're introduced to Francis McDormand's character, uh, Julie. They're like, you know, they're together. Uh, they watch some slides, which I thought was funny because slides are a very old thing. Um, he asked her to marry her and she's kind of not all about it. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I don't know about that. Like, she's like, we got a good thing going. I don't know. She also casually mentions, is she like a lawyer or what does she do? She's yeah, like, she's, an she's attorney. a lawyer. She's a lawyer. Okay. She like came across some documents that basically show that this, uh, businessman Strack was like making these payoffs to get like this um dock front property and all the stuff so he's gonna go uh talk to her about it but i think like uh, wasn't she the lawyer for him and yeah she just stumbled upon the memo she's a okay. she's his corporate attorney yeah okay okay so she goes to see him and they're kind of talking about him he ba- she basically is like hey i found this documentation and he's like yeah you're right uh he doesn't really <laughs> try and hide it at all He's like, I'm just trying to rebuild the waterfront, and Durant, he also wants the waterfront. 
Uh, so you better be careful because he'll he'll do anything to get his hands on that document to uh, to to, to kind of like put me out of business or whatever. So back to the uh, this is where I'm like, wait, so Liam Neeson's house is his lab or the labs in his house? Like, I didn't, like it's the same building. Yeah, right? it's like, the same building. I think his like his apartment is underneath the lab or above the lab. One of the two. Okay. So uh, then they, in a freak accident, the power goes out, but then they find out that the synthetic skin, it doesn't break down in the dark. Like that's what they, that's like the big discovery is that like, if it's dark, skin still lasts. It's photosensitive. Yes. So Durant and his goons show up and that guy's got the machine gun like out again. And I'm like, you fucking just went around again. Like, like, you could just use a normal gun this time. Yeah, give the man his leg back. <laughs> um, so they 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 kick the shit out of Eason. And, like, a lot of this stuff is, like, to me, when you first get some of the real, like, Sam Raimi vibes, or, like, yeah. all those shots where they're, like, ramming his head into the glass and stuff like that, or, like, sticking them into that, like, weird bed of chemicals there that's for some reason. That, to me, is with the, the Kool-Aid. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff in this movie that's like, you know, this is Sam Raimi, you know, but that to me is like the first stuff in this movie where it's like, okay, yeah, I get it. You know, it's a little bit slapsticky, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, but again, this reminds me of like when Joker falls into that green tub of chemicals. Like he's getting like dunked in the Kool-Aid. Like I felt that connection. (laughs) This is like, uh, this is like uh, Craig's uh, Skyfall. uh, Oh, conspiracy uh, theory. Theory. Um, okay. Wrong. So uh, they, they, they dump him into the chemicals, and you do get that kind of really gross scene where you see yeah. like, all the skin like, burning off his hands, and they're basically like skeletons. That's like, acid, right? Is what he dunks him in, I assume? It's Kool Aid. Kool Aid does that to you if you don't have it cold enough. And then the Kool Aid guy jumps into the wall. He's like, oh, yeah. I was kind of confused. I don't really know what that thing of chemicals yeah <laughs> i don't think it matters it hurts him and his face melts yeah so they end up they end up blowing up the lab but they do it with that one of those like things like the, the, the little the bird like yeah yeah uh and then the lab blows up and there's that like pretty comical scene of his body flying through the air oh yeah and he's like Oh my god! It reminded me of uh, Die Hard too when uh, yeah. fucking <laughs> when, when he hits the ejector seat. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then I, I love the because you get because like uh, Francis McDormand's there and she sees like the whole building blow up and that I love that transition from her standing there in front of the building and it yeah. transitions right to her standing in the graveyard. That was to me that's like another classic like Sam super Ray, like, like even. Even the scene, even the actual explosion scene where the where the wind is hitting her in the face, like the angle of it and the smoke coming in, it was very Army of Darkness. I mean, I will say this entire scene you described of a craft Joe is probably one of the best in the movie. I mean, I think you're even underselling it a little bit. Liam Neeson gets fucking destroyed in this, in this two minute scene. Let's not let's not forget Liam Neeson has a lab partner. And they just shoot the lab partner in the head. Yeah. And then I feel like something was said that wouldn't fly nowadays. Like he's like telling the guy, like, yeah, good work with the Asian. Like they saw oh, yeah. that guy up for being yeah. Asian yeah. that they killed. And I was yeah. like, oh, that makes it seem a little like a hate crime. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It was a straight up hate crime. Asian. Um, so here's 
Now, this next part, I think, is what when I watched this when I was younger that I didn't fully ever grasp, which is weird because it's like the main thing in the movie. But forgive me, I was like 10 or 11 when I saw this. So they find Liam Neeson. He's not dead. He's at like a hospital. Uh, they think he's like a homeless John Doe. But they basically, they say that because of the accident, it severs all his pain impulses, right? Yes. And because because he can't feel pain because he has no pain impulses, it somehow it, it affects his brain and it gives him augmented strength. <laughs> but also because he can't feel any pain, he's basically, he he's going to have like fits of rage because the way his brain is It's essentially like out. sensory deprivation. Like he has no external stimulus to um to kind of, you know, get his brain moving. So it's looking for stimulus in other places and it does it by, you know, enhanced emotions. And so okay. this is where we get that like I get that spawn feel as well as it starts having these very poor graphics of like his brain <laughs> and the synapses and brain cells coming in. Yeah, but but what's I, but this is also 1990, not 1997. Better and Dark Man than I did seven years later with Spy. I, I love that because that's you get that first graphic where it's like his brain's on fire and yeah. he's like freaking out, and it's like it is awesome to me. Every time it happens, I love it because he he escapes, he breaks out of this. Why why is he spinning in that thing? I don't know. Like, to keep his blood flowing because he has to be strapped down. And if it, if it's to help circulate his blood. Oh, maybe. Okay. You know what? I'll buy that. I'm a doctor. I know. I'll buy that. Thank you. <laughs> Deadite MD. Deadite. I would not so, be going to a doctor. Deadite. Just, I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> I'm just as accredited as Dr. Mario, okay? <laughs> Probably so, more uh, so. He uses his newfound rage strength to break out of the thing. He escapes. He finds that sweet duster uh-huh. in the trash. That's yeah. the like, dream that's... finding a duster in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> like, awesome. Like, he doesn't even go that far. And he kind of looks like a mummy at this point because he's all wrapped in bandages. Yeah. Like, even, like, his torso. And he has, like... Oh, yeah, he his... <laughs> you're going to say even his dick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he, he looks all like the invisible man. What if the rat took that cigar cutter and chopped off his dick? That would have been a scene. Not one I want to see. Well, maybe it would have been off camera, like the fingers. It would have added some motivation to the character. Not only did you get all burnt up and your your life taken from you, but you now you're a eunuch. Yeah, but like, how much are you using your wiener after you get all burnt up? Probably not a lot. Anyway. It probably hurts to you. But then, he, but then when he rebuilt his lab, he can make a three penis. Listen, with the sensory deprivation, he doesn't have feeling in most of his body. He's not using that wiener regardless. He yeah. might as well get chopped off. He's like, I got to say, I made myself a new one. I gave myself a little extra. Right? Why not? I'm printing it. I mean, it might like, as well. Yeah, I mean, there's a ton of opportunity for him to give himself a huge dong after that would have happened. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> okay, so he escapes. I'm he, he pulls up in his overcoat and starts flashing people in the street. Check me out, I'm the duck man. Nope, too far. <laughs> Sorry, too far. <laughs> so he finds a sweet duster. He goes to find Francis McDormand, and rightfully so, she freaks out when he <laughs> yeah. approaches her on the street because he's like a bandaged, scarred hobo looking guy. Uh, 
he goes back he goes back to his lab and he like unwraps his bandages and he has that like freak out like oh, I'm a monster uh, moment which is great when he sees himself in the mirror is that when he puts the um, uh, puts the can on his head and dances around like a tin man <laughs> no not yet no, not, no, yet. Yeah. not yet no, not yet so he no. takes equipment from his lab to this condemned building that becomes his hideout which does any of that equipment work anymore like he salvages his equipment and then he's able to rebuild his whole lab and it's like that thing blew up real good I don't know if <laughs> yeah. it's still workable well, I, I don't know if you know, but uh, burn victims are extra resourceful. MacGyver's actually burned from the waist down. They never cover it in the show. Uh, oh, but he is. Okay. So he got MacGyver powers when he got all burnt up. So uh, he gets the lab going, the factory going. You get like a, we get a montage of him working on the skin so he can like make himself a new face. It's another like, I feel like very classic, like Sam Raimi, yeah. like montage of him like working and doing all this stuff. And uh yeah i really like that um francis mcdormand's at strax fancy party i get like they allude that they're kind of together now or seeing each other like um so i i, I francis mcdormand i'll be honest with you guys is kind of my least interesting part of this movie I, I feel like i feel like her chemistry with liam neeson in this movie is non-existent like that's the one thing for me that i like watching it again i just couldn't i couldn't get too invested in them because i'm like ah Oh, and you know, and that was one of the not. things I read is that Sam Raimi had a hard time directing her because her her idea of what the movie should be was completely different from his. Well, I was going to say, too, I read that she is not a fan of this movie at all. No. Like, she 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 thought of herself as just kind of like the, I don't know, just kind of a throwaway female role. Well, so, she kind of yeah. is in this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's, I mean she's, she, she's there for the beginning to set the plot up, and after that, she's worthless. Yeah. So, uh, Liam Neeson is watching this from outside. Uh, he uh, sees that uh, Ted Raimi's there, and he has a classic Darkman rage attack. <laughs> he's just like, <laughs> and freaks out. So he like grabs Ted Raimi. I love this way that he kills him. He's got him like in the sewer. Yeah. And he like, Holds him up through like the manhole cover, and there's just like all these cars like driving, and he gets like run over. But again, we don't see it because for being an R-rated movie, they really hide hide a lot of the deaths off screen for you. But I just love that. Like it seems like those cars are going way fast, and cars would be driving down that street. But it, it's really great. Um, well, it shows you the perception. If your head was being stuck out of a manhole, that's how fast you'd feel like the cars were coming. That's what it's showing. That, it's great. It's it's simulating the chaos that the victim would would feel. I mean, I will say of all of all of these action movies I've seen, I've never seen someone killed with half their body sticking out of a manhole cover yet. So yeah. kudos to creativity there. <laughs> so uh, he starts kind of like tailing Durant and all his crew, and he's like watching their shady dealings, and he makes like uh, he's making masks and stuff like that. And it's insane. So he takes over the place of this guy, Polly. Uh, who's part of Durant's crew, who kind of, like, takes money. He goes and gets the cash from Durant's guys. I like that scene because he can't really talk, so he's, like, trying to, like, interact with them without, like, saying anything. It's pretty great. I, I want to I jump back and go into detail a little bit more on that part. Yeah, yeah I think that ahead. really sets up the rest of the movie. So he's he's stalking Durant's people, and he's he's taking pictures, detailed pictures of their hands, of their faces from different angles, so he can scan that into his his system to create a, a second face that he can wear like a mask out of his synthetic skin to steal their identity. 
and he starts tape recording them to try and learn how to like sort of emulate their voice. Um, and th- that's that's the premise for the remainder of the movie is he is stealing these goons identities to try and mess up their plans and get revenge by w- wearing a disguise as them using his synthetic skin. But that this also gives me a face off feel because we commented in the film face off how like he's just fabricating the face. But obviously we see in the movie, the whole body looks like the guy. So oh, it's yeah. like, okay. But yeah, I mean, there's yeah, some creative but... liberties with this. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so he, so he takes Polly's place. I liked when uh, Durant. Aka Pitbull. That guy looked like Pitbull. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he looked like fat Pitbull. Yeah, that, yeah. that really. Yeah, that really tiny like uh, head tattoo. Was he kind of you know, looked like Matt Pinfield. I don't know if any of you remember <laughs> Matt Pinfield. Oh, wow, as a deep pull. Twenty minutes reference. Yep. Um, so, anyways, so Durant thinks that the real Polly took his money. <laughs> so I love that scene where they go to his like uh, his apartment and just like and like Darkman prepacked a suitcase and some plane tickets to make it look like him and Ted Raimi stole the money. So they just straight up throw him out the window and tell like, "Hey, have a nice flight." And they just throw him out the window. Yeah, they are not lands. worried about being incognito at all. And he, Durant he runs this town. Okay, he doesn't care. <laughs> he lands on a car. There's a lady standing there. She starts screaming because the dead body lands on the car. She turns, and Liam Neeson is sitting right next to the car, still wearing the Polly face. So she starts screaming more. Did you recognize who the screaming woman was? No. It was Zena. Oh, was oh, really? it? Yeah. Lucy Lawless? It was Lucy Lawless, because Lucy Lawless is married to Rob Tapper, the producer of the film. Oh, oh, you know, I didn't know that. Yeah, and well, actually, that's why Frances Dormand is in. Frances McDormand is in this. Is she's, she's married, married to Joel Cohen? Joel, Co- Joel, yeah, Joel Cohen, and they all live together with Holly Hunter in Northern Michigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, so I didn't know that McDormand and Cohen were married. Yeah, they've been married oh, since like the early eighties. Oh, okay. That's interesting. And actually, he actually uh, edited um, Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. Yes, I didn't know that. that's good. Um, so this is this is when he goes back to his hideout, his his factory, and he's like, "What have I become?" And this is where you get the scene where he, yep. he like puts that puts the thing on his head, and he's just dancing around, and I think he's like yelling at the cat that he became friends with in there, and it's it's just like, and he starts smashing all this shit with a pipe. Just, I would like, love to know how Liam Neeson today feels about that scene where he's fucking dancing around like the Tin Man. It's a, I, it's I a, a weird. I have a theory about this. I'm going to save it for my role reversals because I have a theory yeah. about this entire okay. movie. It's such a weird, like that dancing and that movement has never been in any films other than ones directed <laughs> by Sam Raimi. Yep. Like you see it multiple times throughout his film. You see like the arms up, kind of, kind of like you're like a scarecrow hung up, and your legs moving and your like shoulders going. <laughs> it's like this move that Sam has to directly tell people. Go like this. And that's what crazy people do. Okay, like, I'll bring this up now. Insanity. I'll bring yeah. this up now since you've brought that up. My theory is, and, and it's not even really a, a, a difficult theory to follow. My theory is this entire movie was written for Bruce Campbell. And that mm-hmm. everything you're seeing on here is essentially is essentially uh, Sam Raimi directing Liam Neeson to act like Bruce Campbell would. But why would Liam Neeson agree to that? I mean, Liam Neeson, even in 1990, is 
he's got quite a backup. You know, he's got quite a career. I mean, I'm not saying I mean, not, I'm not, not saying what it is today. Well, but. I'm not saying that he specifically said act like Bruce Campbell. What I'm saying is Sam Raimi is directing Liam Neeson. And in Sam Raimi's mind, he's directing him as if he was directing Bruce Campbell to have okay. him do things that Bruce Campbell would do. Well, yeah, because he he wanted he wanted yeah. Bruce Campbell to play the role, so obviously he wrote it. So I'm sure he had it in mind, and some of the stuff he probably was thinking of of, of Bruce Campbell. So I I, I wouldn't I, I kind of uh, think there's some credence uh, to your uh, theory there. Uh, and isn't it that uh, they didn't the studio didn't think Bruce Campbell was a big enough star to carry the movie? And that's why they went yeah. with Liam Neeson. Yeah. 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 So uh, after this, that's this batshit scene where he's smashing all that, he like calms himself down. He's like, you're Peyton. He kind of like talks himself off the ledge. Um, uh, and then he, then he finally, finally the thing's done. He can make himself a uh, Liam Neeson face because the only, apparently he couldn't go find a picture of himself anywhere else. Cause he only had the picture that was slightly burned from the explosion. They got blew it up in the fire. Okay. Yeah, so he has equipment, but all his pictures. Well, how many how many physical pictures of yourself do you have? I don't know. He could go visit his grand his parents' house. Burnt as hell, and he's gonna rope on his parents and just give me my picture. (laughs) No, that's not how I would have like seen your photos. You know, break into his parents' house and traumatize them. They think he's dead. He's fucking dark, man. He can just break into the house in the middle of the night and take some photos. I'm not saying it's the middle of the day and he shows up like, fuck you, mom and dad. Give me my pictures of me as an adult. He's a, he's a big city scientist. His parents could live in Podunk, Nebraska. He's not hopping on a bus and going to Nebraska to get those pictures. Yeah, and if why he's asking, and if he's if asking he, for if he the pictures, face, he should. And if he's asking for the I, pictures, why would he bust in and say, fuck you, parents? He'd say, hey, can I borrow his pictures? You'd be real nice about it. It's me, your mangled son. But the next thing is, does he really, does it have to be an exact replica of his face? Couldn't he just grab, like, fucking Al Pacino's face and just been like, all right, I got an Al Pacino side of my face? Well, I don't know, but this, uh, this, I'm glad this came up because this reminds me, we'll talk offline, uh, Dede, but we got to get back to writing our movie uh, Dark Man in the Heartland that we were writing. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. we gotta get back to it where he goes and fights crime in Nebraska. It's gonna be great. You guys are gonna be very surprised about what happens in it. Um, so he finally gets his Liam Neeson face. He goes and he visits Francis, Francis McDormand. Um, and he, first of all, I think it's weird that he's like, well, you know what? It won't be weird at all if I first reveal myself to her in the cemetery at my grave. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you do that? Anywhere else besides <laughs> Wouldn't that be just think of yourself like wouldn't that be the scariest fucking moment of your life? You're visiting the grave of the of a person and that person shows up in the flesh at the graveyard. I'd be like, fuck. Yeah, it's <laughs> like, like if you didn't want to freak her out, literally meet her anywhere else at your own grave. Um, maybe maybe because they're utilizing the post office and send her a letter that says, Hey, like, it's Peyton. I'm not dead. This is not a prank. If you'd like to see me, I will meet you in this non-spooky location. Yeah. Well, and then like, so then he's like, well, yeah, he's like, I was in a coma. And then like, he's like, yeah, the doctors told me like not to see you after the coma. And I'm like, why? Like, why? Why would they be like, hey, don't go see her when she get out of this coma? Like, I, I, th- I thought that was kind of like. I don't know. I didn't really get that, but... Um, it was his cover. He had to come up with something. All right, fair he enough. He wasn't going to 
and I'm a hideous ghoul under this fake face. Uh, so I can only see you for like 90 minutes a day. No, he had to call with a cover. Like the doctor said I can't. And then she goes, oh, that makes sense. Like, you know, she's a lawyer, not That's a doctor. Enough. That's fair enough. Um, so then we're, we're, that's when we're showing that Durant actually keeps his fingers. He has like a collection of fingers. And he's like, I don't know, polishing them or cleaning them or whatever. And what he's, he's, he's like massaging them. I'm like, what the fuck? He's got a lot of fingers. I though. guarantee you he picks his nose with some of those. <laughs> I guarantee you he shoves some of them up his ass. <laughs> um, so uh, Darkman commits a crime in like the Durant disguise, like robs a party store. I love that too because he like turns to the camera and he says like Durant's like full name and everything, and gets like Durant arrested. Uh, so he could go to Chinatown disguised as Durant to pick up like some money. Uh, from, I, I can't remember what the name of the crime boss in Chinatown is. Um, but I like the fact that one of the ways he, because the guy's like, I don't have the money to give you, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, I'm not leaving without the money. And he like burnt, he like puts his hand in the flame to like kind of just like yeah. show him how intense and serious he is. And because he can't feel pain, he just like sits it there for a while. Um, and then, but then as they're leaving, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I really thought it was funny when Durant's trying to get there and he's just like <laughs> running down the street. Like, like, can I just say, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm kind of trying to be mean. He's a fucking ugly dude. (laughs) Larry Drake? Yes. Well, he's, he's a villain in a movie. He's not supposed to be super handsome, I guess. Fair enough. But I mean, it's Hollywood. Like he is, he is not, he looks like a anteater. He reminds me of like Arthur. An anteater? Anteaters have long faces. Arthur's an aardvark. They're not the same animal. (laughs) Yeah. They seem, they seem like they seem like a mix. He's got this really. He's got like this Beetlejuice long neck. Going back to Tim Burton, this long. He's face. really. He's kind of jowly, I guess. You know, jowly. That's a fun word. Uh, <laughs> and actually, so, that's good. That's a good way to describe it. That was thank you. Jowly. Nice. So, so Durant runs into Darkman Durant. They're in like a. Uh, um, I can't think of the name of it. Revolving door. That's like, I, I don't know, that's like a really funny scene to me where they're like getting confused and like they chase him and all this stuff. So he gets away, but then we get to perhaps the most insane scene in this whole movie, and that's saying a lot, is when he goes to this carnival with Francis McDormand. So he, he's, he's, he's in his Liam Neeson mask, and they go to like, they're at this carnival having a good time, and he's like, oh, I'm going to win you this prize. And he... He really sucks. He's trying to knock over these milk cards. He really sucks at it. But then he does. And he's like, hey, I want the pink elephant. And the guy's like, nah. And the carney's like, nah, man, you were over the line. And they kind of argue about it. And then he has, like, his rage attack. <laughs> and he, Make the fucking and, like, elephant. He straight up grabs the guy's hand and bends his fingers all the way back. Throws him to. I love when he bends his fingers back and they're all just screaming. The guy is hardly screaming. He's screaming. Francis McDormand is screaming. And they're just cutting between them all screaming. And he like throws him through the back wall of the booth. And that's when he's like, Take the fucking elephant! <laughs> Take the fucking elephant! And he's like losing his mind. I, that, I completely forgot about that scene. And it was great. I love that. It's so over the top. When they were all screaming, I was like, this is great. Um, when, when I was watching it, I had the thought of if there is a per, if there's like a group of people throughout society that you could get away with like <laughs> battering and abusing, it's carnival workers. You could break their hands and throw them through a display. And then, like, what are they going to do about it? They're a carny. Like, 
Yeah, in all honesty, that might have just been a typical day for those people. Yeah, Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, ah, okay. Yeah, um, now that he was Adam into the freak show. The Cardi racism <laughs> on the show. Man. I apologize to all our Carney listeners. I prefer, I, I'm fairly certain they prefer to be called carnival workers and not Carnies. Oh, listen to this guy. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, and Carney writes over here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, they prefer to be called traveling attraction engineers. Like, get out of here. <laughs> Take the fucking elephant. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so Liam Neeson runs off, and surprisingly, this carnival seems to be basically in the parking lot of his hideout because he just like, like runs off, and it's like I'm like, oh, he's back in his hideout already. Um, because she finds out that it's his hideout. I think she even goes in, right? Doesn't yeah, she? Yeah, she follows point? him in. Yeah. Sees, like, his melted face. Uh, blah, blah, blah. She, go, she goes to see Strack to basically say, like, hey, we can't date anymore because, like, the guy thought dad was back to life. But, like, I... I oh, go ahead, Sphinx. Well, I, I'm... Okay. So, real talk here. Would... Do you really think it's believable that Francis McDormand would be, like... I'm going to stick with uh, Peyton. The dude is a fucking monster and a creep. Like, realistically speaking, like, she's got rich, kind of evil dude, but rich guy on one end. And then you've got fucking dark man in the other end. We're going with kind of evil? (laughs) You know, whatever. He's trying to make the city better, all right? (laughs) Like, there... That, that is, it cannot be believable that you're going to fall in love with this guy, right? But I guess maybe that goes back to the monster movie mentality, right? Of like, yeah. like King Kong or the Elephant Man or something like that, right? I, that, I mean, to be, to be fair, she was already in love with him. It wasn't like she, she met didn't want to marry him. But she didn't want to marry him. And now the dude is fucking a burnt <laughs> skeleton. There, there's a lot to be said about like the the... The emotions that, you know, she thought he was dead and now he's alive and maybe she needs to take care of him because he's a victim. Like, there's proof that that sort of almost like Stockholm Syndrome-like situation uh, can really run deep. I mean, I convinced someone to marry me and I'm a jerk. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not handsome and I'm a jerk and I'm not, I don't have any marketable skills. And someone still married me, a smart person married me. So you can manipulate a lawyer into marrying or sticking with a burnt up psychopath um it's believable and, to me and to be fair at this point i don't think she fully under she hasn't seen like his full burnt face or anything like that she just, <laughs> is, is just, some, of her, just some of his incinerated body not all well, you know, and she definitely yeah. hasn't seen his giant fake wiener <laughs> <laughs> maybe she hasn't maybe that's just, like she's like listen that, guy, guy guy i work for that i've also been seeing Listen, Peyton's back with a new dong, and yeah, I'm going to see this one it's, through. It's pretty big. Maybe that's like an appealing boyfriend. You could be like, hey, why don't you print yourself like a Brad Pitt mask tonight, you know? Or like, hey, why don't oh, you know? Oh, we got some role-playing going on. Right. Right. Like, Come on. How about so now, maybe, maybe make your wang a little darker this time? <laughs> you are the dark man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so she's at Strax's office. Uh, I, out of all the coincidences and things in this movie, I find it so ridiculous that she's sitting there and the memo that they're talking about at the beginning of the movie is just sitting on his desk. Yeah, like she, just even, she doesn't yes. even open a drawer or anything. It's just like she just kind of looks at the desk and it's like, 
there's the memo from the beginning of the movie with the coffee stain from Liam Neeson on it. It allegedly was destroyed in the fire. That's how she knows that something is amiss is because when the lab was blown up, this shady document was supposed to be gone. And the fact that he has it, she now knows that he was involved in the uh, attempted murder of Darkman. Right. Yes. What is the timeline here? Right? Like... I mean, they already got a fucking tombstone made for him. Like, are we talking, is this weeks? Is this months? Because then why is that memo still sitting on the desk? Well, and why did he keep the memo? Or months? Why does it matter? Why did he just destroy the memo? And why does That's it matter whether too. Peyton Westlake is still alive or not? Guys, These you got are all great questions. ideas. <laughs> um, so, we yeah, what's out- he going to do? No one's going to believe him. He's a fucking half-dead guy. He's out for vengeance. They've already figured it out that he's out for vengeance, right? Yeah. He comes back, there's this spooky, burnt-up guy murdering people. (laughs) Oh, that's probably that guy we tried to murder in a fire. (laughs) So, like, that's the problem. It's not about him going to the authorities or or pressing charges or filing a lawsuit. It's about, there's this burnt-up crazy man in bandages ruining our operation. Yeah, he's stealing all money stealing all their money yeah um so we find out this is where we find out that durant is working for strack that they're in they're in cahoots together so she leaves and of course immediately leads them all the all the goons to dark man's hideout because <laughs> she gets there like a second later they pull up they like show up they start shooting at the place they kidnap her uh durant's there <laughs> he's got a grenade launcher and a helicopter and he's like he's <laughs> just shooting stuff um, I do like when he goes back in, Darkman goes back into the hideout, and he gets the one goon with the long hair to kill the other goon. Yeah. Because he, like, puts, he puts, like, is there, like, two masks he puts on him? Because there's, like, the Liam Neeson mask, yeah. but isn't there one of, because he pulls yeah. off a mask, and he's got the Liam Neeson mask on, but he's got his mouth taped shut, so he can't say anything, so he shoots him, but then it turns out that it was, like, the goon. Yeah, um, I called these goons, they were Miami Vice and Fabio. So, <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, so, dressed up, and then like then he freaks Accurate. Fabio out. He freaks Fabio out because he very quickly changes into his like his mask of that guy yeah. with the long hair, and he always like, seemingly has like the matching outfit. What's crazy to me is that we find out it seems like under all his disguises, he's always wearing that duster because <laughs> he always like throws off the disguise and he's got the duster on. And what I really want to know is the origin of where he got that sweet hat that he wears. Like he just has it. We Same never know. We're like Same dumpster. <laughs> he went back and he's like, there's got to be a matching hat. Um, <laughs> you don't throw out one without throwing out the other. Yeah, that's, that's fair. So uh, the, the lab ends up blowing up after he gets rid of these goons. Uh, and he, he does it in the same way. I kind of like that. He sets up the same kind of device that they used to blow up his lab with the, the I don't know what you call it. Um, but like the guy thinks he found it, but it's a hologram. Anyways, so it ends up Darkman's hanging from the helicopter <laughs> while like Durant's shooting at him with the machine gun. He's like, run, he did, they take him into traffic and he's like running on the truck. That's where we get the shot of the Sam Raimi Oldsmobile is on yep. that. Uh, and do you know, did you guys see that the people in the Oldsmobile yep. are the Cohen brothers? Yep. Oh, I, didn't, so I didn't notice that. that. They're in there. Yeah, John, John Landis is also in this movie, too. Oh, really? He's one of the uh, one of the doctors taking the tour uh, when Liam Neeson is strapped down. Oh, I did see that. Yeah. And then also at this point, there's a helicopter. A police helicopter gets involved. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, fucking uh, Durant destroys that police helicopter. Yeah, he blows it up. He blows it up with a grenade launcher. And then I like how he's, I like how he's trying to kill Darkman by shooting grenades down there, like on the ground, and they're like all these explosions. Like maybe he's just like well, the gun. And, and I like too that at this point, it's always been about getting Darkman, but then you just fucking blew up a helicopter with a bunch of cops on it. So now, now things have really gone intense. Well, like like Deadite said, Durant owns his town, so if he wants to blow up a police helicopter, he's going to do it. There's been zero it. things in this movie that's made me think in any way Durant plays. Like Durant, <laughs> if he's in the game, it's for keeps, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. a guy with a a guy with a finger collection isn't going to blink and blow it up. Which I'm also wondering, you know, this scene goes on for what four or five minutes. How the fuck is is Darkman holding on so tight to that damn rope for so long? I mean, that helicopter is zooming past these buildings in this town, and he's just well, holding on like nothing's nothing's wrong. Well, Sphinx, he has augmented strength because of his oh. heavy pain receptors, so I feel like he's not feeling any pain from holding on to it, and he's got augmented strength. So that's that's my explanation. All right, uh, I'll buy it. I got him. I won him over, guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, so he ends up taking he ends up the hook that he's hanging from he hooks it to the hop, top of the truck the truck goes through like a tunnel the helicopter crashes and blows up and he's like see ya durant he actually he says burn in hell yes he does <laughs> um so then we get to the next scene and i have to tell you i got confused because i'm like wait durant's alive yeah <laughs> I was completely, like, I hadn't seen the movie in a while, and I literally was like, oh, wow, I was like, I can't believe that he made it through helicopter <laughs> And so they're they're going to kill Francis McDormand. I don't know why they just don't shoot her, but it's like the classic villain thing where they're like, well, we're going to take you up to the top of this building we're building, and we're gonna, I'm going to monologue, and then I'm going to, like, suicide. Which, again, oh. this is so much like 89 Batman. Like, when Joker cl- takes Vicky Vale up to the top, this is exactly what's happening here. We just discussed this helicopter scene where someone's hanging on to the ropes of the helicopter, just like Joker's hanging on to the ropes. It's The ending is so much like Batman. I don't you know have, how you're not like, this is such a ripoff. Sphinx, you have to remember this is 1990. Helicopters were just recently invented. Yep. They were all the racing. <laughs> ropes from <Brand> helicopters. <laughs> There's only two movies that ever did it at that time, and one was yeah. Darkman. The other one was Batman. <laughs> It was yeah. it was very uncommon. So for people to draw the comparison, they, it just wasn't there yet. Yeah, one of yeah. those newfangled whirly birds. We want them in all the pictures. <laughs> so he he finds out that it's uh, it's Dark Man pretending to be Durant because he like tricks him into talking about like kids that he hasn't had. Um, <laughs> Strack pulls out what is like the most intense nail gun or bolt gun or whatever that I've ever seen in my life. He's got to like hold it with two hands and he's like. <laughs> I was like, that is was that what what is that thing? A rivet gun. It's a rivet gun. Okay, thank you. It's a, hot, it's okay. a hot rivet gun. It's used for holding together giant steel girders for building okay. things. So uh he has a he has a classic, classic Dark Man rage attack. He gets fired up. Uh it's kind of like the ultimate warrior when he has those like rage attacks. He's like Aah! you know, and then he uh <laughs> Or he's got a couple of so shake he, weights, one of the two. Oh, you know. So he saves Francis McDormand. Uh, I love that he, so I love when he's like, he's like holding Strack like by his leg, right? Like from the building. And like, yeah. while this is going on, Strack is still like taunting him, like still like trash talking him. And it's like, dude, he is holding you by one leg. 
from the top of this building. And I think he's like basically like, yeah, you don't have the guts to kill me. You're not going to do it. Um, but, the, but he does. He drops them. <laughs> um, just does. He drops them. Uh, Liam Neeson, he leave, He won't stay with Francis McDormand. He's like, I can't. I'm not the same guy. I got to get out of here and leave. So he, he runs off. And that's when you get a Bruce Campbell uh, cameo. And he's like, you get this monologue where he's like uh, about how he's dark, man. He turns around and it's Bruce Campbell. I think he says, like, he's giving, like, the speech, and then he's like, call me Dark Man. And then he turns around, and it's like, oh, man, I can't wait for the sequel. So, and then that's the end. Yep. I don't know man, if I do the return thing. of Durant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or Dark Man 3, <laughs> Die, Dark Man, <laughs> Die. Which, by the way, I have to say, I've never seen 2 or 3. Have, have any of you guys? Okay, no. that's funny. <laughs> no. Did you, do you know who takes over the role of Dark Man yeah. in the sequel? the mummy, Arnold Vosloo. <laughs> yeah. He plays uh, Darkman in two and three. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious. Like, now I'm like, I kind of want to watch two and see how they're like, hey, don't worry. Durant survived that horrible helicopter crash that would have basically disintegrated a giant fireball and he's back in the second movie. I'm curious about that. So. If the patrons want it, we'll do it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> bold statement. That was hey, bold. I'm apparently it's just be me and Hovercraft Joe, but if the patrons want, <laughs> oh no, I'm in. Don't get me wrong, I'm in. <laughs> I'm just saying. Be like, be like, yeah. The post credit scene was like six hours. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they talked about Darkman two, Darkman <laughs> some hypothetical movie about Darkman in the Heartland. Yep. Wait, do do you really want to know about Darkman two? I just looked it up. You mean the Return of Durant, Darkman two? Yeah. Yeah, never. What are you gonna tell us about it? I want. I want it spoiled. We're we're yeah, about to forget it. It's, it's about to be a cinematic experience for us. Yeah, man. I would. I was just always fascinated by the title of Darkman Three: Die, Darkman Die. <laughs> I remember. I remember seeing like that's a video like talking about video stores. That's like something at like Entertainment Tonight. I clearly remember seeing like the the box and the packaging and being like, <laughs> but you know, I never watched it. So, but one of these days, um, I love yeah, walking into a store and seeing the Darkman collection. That's Darkman Two and Three, but not one. And you go, okay, that's fair. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I do also remember that. <laughs> Um, but I mean, that's only really. I don't know if anyone has anything else as far as like the final confrontation or anything, or no. anything I missed as far as that goes. But uh, that's kind of it in a nutshell. So I think, I think we got that plot down. I got some role reversals. Yes, all right. I so, saw some of these. Yes, yeah, these are pretty crazy. Uh, so we'll start with Strack, Richard Dreyfus. Uh, Strack's <laughs> the the industrialist. So Richard Dreyfus, yeah. better or worse? Ooh. Maybe. I feel like he might, I don't know, I feel like he, he, I mean, I know it's from 1990, but I feel like he trends a little old, maybe, yeah. for that role. But. James Kahn. Yeah. I'm saying yeah. Dreyfus is better, though. I'm saying, I, I like Dreyfus. I'm a Dreyfus guy. Yeah, I think I think <laughs> oh, they wow. would both, I think James Kahn would be the best, but I think mm-hmm. Richard Dreyfus would also be good. They both turned down the role. They were both offered the role to turn down. <laughs> yeah. James Kahn, yeah. I Dreyfus like. Dreyfus though is big. Dreyfus, no. No way, Richard, Richard <laughs> Dreyfus. No way, man. If you if I have a dark man to Jaws, quick one connection, I'm taking it. <laughs> All right. So for for Julie, uh, Julia Roberts was offered the role, but ended up turning it down because she got Pretty Woman. Oh, that was a good choice for her. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good choice. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say right off the bat, any of the four choices I'm going to give you are better than Francis McDormand. <laughs> Uh, Demi Moore. Yeah. Okay. 
Bridget Fonda. Oh, yeah. And Kelly Lynch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I'd be fine I with all like- those. I feel like a ton of people turn this out and they're like, hey, Joel, Joel Cohen, would your wife do this for us? <laughs> yeah, that seems to be what it was. Um, all right, for uh, Darkman himself, this is a great story. Bill Paxton. Did you read any of this? I saw This is funny. I saw this. So I think Bill Paxton would be a great Darkman, to be honest. I would be okay, yeah. So, I think it'd be good. So Bill Get Paxton, over, Bill Paxton <laughs> was going to audition for this told Liam Neeson about it, and then Liam Neeson ended up getting the role. <laughs> and said he was, like, pissed at him for a while yeah. after that. Because like. he got the role. The role went to Liam Neeson because Bill Paxton told him about it. That's uh, hilarious. Gary Oldman. Yeah. I think Gary like Oldman would have been really good. I yeah, I agree. And then, but, but realistically, Bruce Campbell would have been the best. Yeah. I think this is 100% a Bruce Campbell movie. And this part was written for Bruce Campbell, and everything in it is screams Bruce Campbell. I I I, I don't disagree with you on that. Like I, I definitely think that he, you could tell that he had Bruce Campbell in mind when he was writing this movie. Yep, absolutely. Uh, that's it. That's all I got for uh, Roll Versus. I think. Are we ready to uh, give it our rating then? Yep. Yeah, unless I think so. All right, let me yeah. hit the button. So, Deadite, you get the option to either rate this, you go first and rate it, or pass it on to one of us. Whatever you want to do. One out of five machine guns. We can do half machine guns. I'm, I'm going to pass it on. I, I want to read the temperature of the room before I give my rating. <laughs> uh, Sphinx, do you want to go first, just to get you out of the way? Sure. Uh, I mean, I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. Um, there, it's just goofy. I I just stand by. I think it's a knockoff of Batman. I would watch Batman over this any day of the week. Uh, I'll give it two machine guns. Okay. Um, uh, do you want me to go next? Yeah, go ahead. No, yeah, right. go ahead. Uh, I like this movie a lot. Um, I was really happy watching it the this time after not seeing it for a while. Um, it is really dumb and cheesy and campy and very Sam Raimi, but I think that's what makes it great. Is it? It's all of those things. It's supposed to be all of those things, and it does all of those things well. Um, so I'm gonna go. Man, this is tricky. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three and a half machine guns on this. Just to be realistic, I'm gonna go three and a half machine guns. Uh, all right. Uh, I I kind of agree with you on a lot of things. Um, I haven't seen it in a while, but I really enjoyed watching it. it it's Sam Raimi and the the best possible way and it is over the top and it is campy and it is like some of the scenes are just like ridiculous they're funny but it's all it's all like on purpose like i don't think anything in this movie is on accident i even the over the top stuff is on purpose because that's what sam raimi how he wanted to be and and i really do appreciate it more now kind of going into it like thinking about like the the universal monsters and like of the opera and all this kind of stuff that he kind of worked into and especially like we talked about him wanting to make a movie for the shadow all of that's in there it's a really fun watch uh i i'm gonna go a little higher than you which i know is controversial but i'm gonna go with uh four machine guns because i really just love this movie see i kind of want to revise it to four too i don't know man <laughs> i'm gonna leave it three four? to four yeah 
That's so, high. That's high, Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> so, he, so here's the thing, and I, I always say this about Sam Raimi movies. When it comes to Sam Raimi movies, either you're in on the joke and you're you're along for the ride and you're enjoying it, or or you're annoyed. You're you're in the Sphinx camp, going, "No, thank you. I, I, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not interested in what's being presented here." Which um, is how I felt with Evil Dead too. I remember we did Evil Dead. We did that episode last year for a horror movie special and i no yeah not for me yeah it's one of those things either 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 you you're you're in for it or you're not there there's a pretty definitive line and again spider-man kind of kind of blurs that you know what i mean like there was a little more mainstream a little less of his feeling it but there are aspects of his style in those movies that people kind of look at now and go yeah i don't know about that but for me i love it like i see that and to me, that calls back to Dark Man and, and, and Army of Darkness and those works. Um, sort of trying to be a little bit objective, the you know, because I am in on the joke. I'm not going to go with a four. I'm not going to go hovercraft Joe high. Um, <laughs> but I really do like LPJ's. What you did three and a half. Yeah, or, three and a half. I, I, I'm I'm going to come in at a three point two five. Okay. Well, you know, uh, not, I'm not going to quite go three and a half on it because the yeah, there is an aspect of like if you compare it to other movies that you don't have to be in on the joke to un- enjoy. There's there's movies that are more ubiquitous and everyone can sit down and watch it and get roughly the same experience. A Sam Raimi movie isn't that. So personally, yeah, it's a five. I'm a, I'm in love with it, but like objectively, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the three point two five. It's a fun movie. Anyone can have fun watching it at least once. And you know what? I, I think you kind of hit... No, but I think you did hit the nail on the head there because I think, for me, because I do love Sam Raimi movies, it's a four. I think, objectively, it's probably a three Machine Gun movie because you're right. You couldn't... I couldn't be like, hey, everybody go watch this. You'll love it. Some people, like... It'd be, like, split down the middle. Some people would love it and some people would not like it. So I, I, I guess that's the, the, the kind of asterisk to my rating is, like, it's three stars... Just from my personal view, it's four stars. So that's maybe maybe I am at three and a half then. Maybe that's really where I'm at because I'm somewhere between my personal feelings and what it actually is. Yeah. So I'm going to revise mine actually to that three and a half. That's that's why I went with what I did. Is because you're right. It's all you you either love it or hate it, and and I love it. But objectively, it's probably a three and a half. I'm gonna. I'm I think gonna was really fair with this too for being on the dissenting side sure. of not not really enjoying it. The fact that he still was like, "Hey, I watched it and I got two two machine guns worth of enjoyment out of it." I I think that's generous and fair. I agree. No, I <laughs> absolutely agree with you. Like as far as where your head's at on this movie, two is really good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So so Deadeye, what do you want to plug? Man, I'm just I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna get the I'm gonna get the plugs in. Do it, do all um, of them. Enjoy. Do, you know what? Do, do this is all. your show. You do it. This is your I'm, show. I'm rolling with it. So most importantly, if you haven't been listening to Sphinx and I running down some classic horror movies here in the month of October, releasing on Fridays, they're they're released in the Last Action Podcast feed. They are Nightmare and Last Action Podcast. We do we do uh, quick. You know, they're about 30 minutes, just straight reaction. So it's it's not quite as formatted as, you know, what you guys do here on the main show. They are uh, very true instant reactions to Sphinx and I watching horror movies. We'd love for you to give those a listen. But 
If you had a little bit of fun with me, please tune in Monday nights, twitch.tv slash GameZilla Media. That's where we are live with the GameZilla podcast. And of course, you can listen to the audio version of the GameZilla podcast everywhere that you listen to the Last Action podcast. And it is uh, covering uh, this, you know, every week in news for video games. It's modern video game conversation, talking about the gaming industry, and we break it down for you every week. Yep, it's a great show. Um, we've also got plenty of other shows on the GameZilla Media Network, like uh, News of Dragons, which Space and I are on. We got Legend of Retro, uh, which is our classic and retro gaming uh, podcast. We got uh, Noiseland Arcade, which, well, it is on hiatus currently. At some point, it'll be back, and that's our uh, Simpsons podcast. Uh, so we got a little bit of everything for uh, for pretty much anybody who wants anything. We got it all. And let's not forget either, if you would love to support us financially. Please check us out at patreon.com slash GameZillaMedia. We have a $1 a month and a $5 a month. So, you know, it's not a ton. If, if you're willing to help us out, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, the $1 tier uh, can give you some great benefits, but it's that $5 tier that we actually do an additional show every month for you. We call it the post-credit scene. And all the other shows also have extra shows for you at that $5 tier as well. So, Consider helping us out and uh, keeping things going here at Games of the Media and, and check us out on Patreon.com. Absolutely. Uh, Deadite, yeah. thank you again for being here. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's always fun when you're on. One, because yeah. we know what kind of movie we're in store for. <laughs> uh, I, I, go. I, just, I love when Deadite's on, and I wish I feel like it happens once a year in October. Mm-hmm. we got to get him on sooner. we got to get him on again before October because I – I feel like I love every time he picks a movie and I just have a lot of fun talking to him on this. So we're getting you on again before October of next year. I'm just, I'm putting that out there right now. Well, I appreciate it. I'm sure it will only take a matter of days till we scheme up the next thing we want to punish Sphinx with. So <laughs> that will not take long. So yeah, thanks again for having me, having me on guys. And I look forward to uh, getting, seeing those first drafts of dark man in the heartland. Um, <laughs> I will say I might, I don't have access to Bruce Campbell, but I do have access to Bruce Campbell's brother. So maybe we can, maybe we can get Bruce Campbell's brother in it. You know, who knows? We yeah. got, we, we're going to need that Patreon money. So make sure <laughs> Patreon.com <laughs> help us fund our dark, our next dark man sequel. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. I mean, Liam, well, you guys he's, haven't he's, even he's, seen the other sequels. Yeah, you but it's going to be great. What are you talking about? <laughs> Let me just close by asking this. Are we going to try and get Liam Neeson back? Or are we going to go with The Mummy? It seems like just continue with, like, two and three for continuity's sake. Uh, you we'll, know, we'll discuss offline. We'll figure it out. Liam, he seems available, so. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to bump that net worth up a little bit. So. Yeah, yeah. He needs oh, the money. And this will do it. <laughs> this will this will add to his bottom line like uh, like no other movie. <laughs> Star Wars uh, who? <laughs> sweet, sweet Qui-Gon money. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that said, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. Bye. We'll be back.